Well, I hope you're proud of yourself. Oh, how's that? I have been replaced by a scroll for months. <laughs> and you hadn't even noticed. Oh, look, man. There's only so many, like, short, angry people in my life I can deal with before they all coalesce. <laughs> Anyways, I beat him up, took his lunch money, and got off the ship. How much lunch money did he have? 62 cents. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I got really mad when he made me watch Secret Invasion. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I haven't used this bit before. <laughs> no, I don't think you have. <laughs> If if you have, then it's news to me, or are my selective memories even more selective than I originally thought? <laughs> oh man, now I'm gonna have to rewatch every episode from the end of Secret Invasion onwards. Oh boy. <laughs> or maybe from the start? Hmm. Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, aka the Scarlet Troll. And I'm Greg, aka Greg. And I have a cold or something, so pardon my bad audio quality, I have a cough drop in my mouth. Oh boy. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> Sadly, this kept me from seeing the Marvels a second time like I wanted to do. Hmm. Which, I hope doesn't give away what I thought of the Marvels. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I hope that doesn't give away what I thought about it, but let me just give away what I think about it. I like this yeah. movie. <laughs> Free info right out the gate. So, you know, if if you're one of those people who's like, Oh, Marvel going woke is why they're gonna get broke and diversity is killing the Hollywood industry. You know, just easy, easy and quick indication. You can, you can, you can, you can hop off now. Yeah, you can stop. Cause... Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> I just had it cleaned. Oh boy, with the blood of your enemies. That's not cleaning it. It can be, depending on your outlook. That's if I want to add a decorative stain. <laughs> like, with wood. And it's like, oh, and oh, you have such a nice door. It's like, yeah, this is my decorative, like, victim's blood of uh, circa 2023. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to get into the gaming news? <laughs> yeah, we might as well. You want to lead with your bit, or should we go into the Game Award nominees? I'll lead into my bit because I feel like it's nice and short and kind of humorous, but in a sad way. Yeah, so, right. last week, you know how I talked about Toka canceling their agreement with motorsport and as such killing the possibility of a btcc game right something about motorsport games hemorrhaging money yes and also how i mentioned that there are only two projects that are like in production as far as we know are a world endurance championship game and, a, and an indycar game mm -hmm. well the indycar game isn't happening anymore Oh, no! <laughs> I'm actually a little sad about that, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Literally the day after we recorded, it was announced in Motorsport Games' like, quarterly review, or, or what have you, that Motorsport Games has indefinitely postponed the IndyCar game, which is kind of what happens when you lay off the entire studio that was making the IndyCar game. Yeah, funny how that works. Yeah, no, they actually shut down their entire Australian studio, who were in the process of making the IndyCar game. So, yeah, that's probably dead. Which is a shame, because this would have been the first IndyCar game since the PlayStation 2. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> which to be I, fair, yeah. the PlayStation 2 was cranking out games until, what, 2012? Yeah, but the game in question, I believe, came out in, like, 2004, 2005. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
Still, who would have thought? Oh, guys, I got a brilliant idea. If we fire all of our employees, we can cut down on overhead. Brilliant. Fires everybody. Now, who's going to actually do the job? Oh. Yeah. I uh, think we made a crucial misstep in our planning. <laughs> more than likely, we are not getting an IndyCar game. I'm actually a little bit more sad about this because it's like... So last week, when I talked about the whole touring car game, I mentioned how, you know, that probably wouldn't have done well to begin with because British touring cars doesn't exactly have a major audience. And IndyCar, for a lot of very stupid reasons, is in the same boat, more or less. But I'm mad about that because all I want... All I want in life is to be able to play a virtual version of the street track that takes over my city every March. <laughs> no, that's fair. Is it too much for a brother to ask for that? <laughs> apparently the answer is yes. <laughs> Only if motorsports put in the bill, apparently. Yeah, apparently. So, the entire studio's been shut down. I can't find it anymore. It might be incorrect, but I want to say that that was a studio of 140 people. Oh. It might be wrong, just because I remember seeing something along those lines not too long after the news came out, but I can't find it anymore, so there's a possibility that might have been misinformation. But yeah, still, not a great look when you're already hemorrhaging money, and you have effectively lost three of the four licenses that you probably paid a non-insignificant amount of money to obtain. Sony staring at them Spider-Man rights. <laughs> yeah! But yeah, I just wanted to do a quick update on that, because again, this news broke the day after we recorded last time. <laughs> oh, I know how that feels. Just wait till we get to strike news. Oh boy. Yeah, no, but it's good news. Oh good, that's good. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so uh, we got the nominees for the Game Awards, which will be December 7th. It'll be December 7th, and there are a lot of options. I don't know. There's there's a lot of categories and whatnots, and it's kind of not. I always forget how many categories there are for this show every year. Yeah, and I'll be honest, uh, I did not play a lot of new games this year, so I have no, yeah, very few like, opinions other than Tears of the Kingdom, good. Hi-Fi Rush, good. Yeah. People complaining about Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Mostly about Venom and Scream. Right. So, for the meat and potatoes of the nominations, the game of the year, which is pretty much the one that everyone really cares about, are nominated. Red Dead Redemption 2! <laughs> no! No, don't you dare. <laughs> That's just a little inside joke among friends. Yeah, she's like, oh no, don't you put that evil on me, Cody Bobby. <laughs> Our nominations for game of the year are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider Man 2, the Resident Evil 4 remake, Mario Brothers Wonder, and Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I could see, honestly, I could see at least three of these winning out. I could see Tears, Balder, or Spider-Man winning it. That's, those are the ones that I figured. I don't see Resident Evil 4 doing it because it's a remake. I don't see Mario Brothers taking it because it's a 2D platformer. And I don't think Alan Wake has a wide enough net that it's going to do it. Yeah, no. If I was a betting man, I would probably put money on Baldur's Gate 3. Just mm. because it's like, I know that Tears of the Kingdom got a lot of positive fanfare. But people, I, I distinctly remember just like people going crazy about how great Baldur's Gate 3 is. I haven't played it, just because the series isn't my particular cup of tea. Or at least on initial impressions, I haven't played any of the games in it. It's just not the kind of like genre or whatever that I typically go for. But that being said... 
this is actually one where I'm like, you know what? I can see those three winning it. The Game of the Year nomination nominees this year, actually, I would say all of them are mostly solid choices. I would probably put money on Baldur's Gate 3. I feel like, and, and granted, I haven't played either of these games, so maybe I'm coming from a place of ignorance here. And I invite anybody to correct me in the comments and make sure to like and subscribe while you're down there. But <laughs> I find it really strange that a Mario Brothers 2D side-scroller got on here and Final Fantasy 16 didn't. Yeah, you know what? That's completely fair. <laughs> that is a little silly. Like, I, I wonder how much... Because from what I understand, it's been a very long time since an actual proper like Mario 2D platformer has been a thing, right? No, they make a bunch of them. That's part of why I'm so surprised, because, like, this is, don't get me wrong, it's a pretty weird version of a Mario game, but it's still a Mario game. Yeah, meanwhile you have Final Fantasy sixteen, which, oh god, I fucking hate that that's still PS5 exclusive. <laughs> I refuse to buy a PS5, just play this game. But yeah, you know what, I probably would swap, I don't, well, I don't know, I would either swap Mario or Alan Wake 2. For Final Fantasy 16, just from See, all the things I've read up. I have no idea about Alan Wake, so I can't comment on that. I just know how Mario games tend to go, and the idea of one of those making it on a game of the year is just... And I mean this with no disrespect, but that's crazy to me. Yeah, that's a little nutty. So I'm sure something that, even though it's not like one of my main squeeze, but still favorite series, someone out there is probably like, well, Greg, why aren't you like talking about Armored Core 6? It's like, hold on, hold on. See, the thing is, is that it is on the show as one of the nominees for Best Action Game, which... I can see that. Yeah. Now, granted, the only games on this list I've played are AC6 and Hi-Fi Rush. As much as I like Hi-Fi Rush, I'm pretty sure... It, Armored Core 6 is, like, not even close. And it's like, a th I know I'm biased in saying that, but from the standpoint of the actual action gameplay, the depth of the game... Graphics, voice acting, just the whole overall package, it's, for me, it's, like, not even close. Plus, I feel like Hi-Fi Rush is already a shoe-in for either score and music or audio design. If it doesn't win at least one of those, something is drastically rotten in Denmark. Yeah, I would probably say score and music. Because the game has a wonderful soundtrack. Not only is its, like, original score great, there's not a lot of licensed music in the game. But the licensed music that is there is used insanely well. Mm. This game has one of the best uses of a Prodigy song I've ever seen in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I would again put money on like AC Armor Core Six winning best action game and Hi-Fi Rush winning best like music and sound des music design. You know, what? I'm gonna make an anti bet. Mm. If Gran Turismo wins Best Adaptation, I burn someone's house down. You know, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I genuinely saw that and started laughing. <laughs> Was it Slim Pickings this year? Yeah, it's just especially because it's like, okay, no. It's like, especially with the freaking Mario movie, and especially with The Last of Us on there. Come on. <laughs> I haven't watched Castlevania Nocturne, and I've only watched the first couple episodes of the Twisted Metal show, but... It's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you got four good things, and then you have the freaking Gran Turismo movie. Like, come on. <laughs> it is not based on the game. Yeah, and still That's gets based things on wrong a real life nerd. Shout out to mm -hmm. shout out to him though, great accomplishment. Who managed yes. to 
play the game so much he spun it into an actual racing career. Which, good for him. That does not make this an adaptation of the game. Yes, especially since the movie gets certain things about the fucking game wrong, too. (laughs) If Gran Turismo is an adaptation of the game, then The Wizard is an adaptation of Super Mario Bros. 3. (laughs) It's not. Yeah, no. Get out of here with that. Anyway, those are the main things I had. Yeah, those were the main things I had, like... There's a couple that I feel like are just kind of more or less constellation, but the one that really got my attention was like under the category of best ongoing game. It's like, okay, Apex, Cyberpunk. Oh, Fortnite? Yeah, it's Fortnite. Of course it's fucking Fortnite. Like, I what, don't understand. The- best ongoing game kind of irks me as a concept. Yeah. It's the award for good job supporting your product and not just leaving people to deal with a busted thing. Marvel's The Avengers? Yeah, which I think on its own, if you're looking at it from like a start to finish thing, that would probably, Cyberpunk would probably win my vote in that aspect, but it's absolutely going to be Fortnite. Hold on, I'm real happy for you and I'm going to let you finish, but is Party Animals out? It's on Best Family Game, it has to be out. Oh my god, where have I been? I think it came out within the past month. Oh god, I gotta fix this. (laughs) Is it still only on Switch? Oh no, it's on Uh... Xbox. Alright, neat. Yeah, it came out in September, like late September. Dang it! Yeah, we so gotta it's, get it's, this. Yeah, we do. We need to pl- play this. We need to get we need to get rich on board and stream it like we did Gang Beasts. <laughs> right. We gotta do that game again at some point. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the main. I mean, there are a couple things that grabbed my attention, but there were more things where I'm just like, it was mostly my brain like making fun of them. Especially, like, the best sports slash racing category. Because it's like, alright, so we've got EA Sports FC 24, which, as I understand it, has been very much panned. I don't really play the Formula 1 games. As much as I love Forza Motorsport, no. Hot Wheels 2, haven't really played it. And the Crew Motorfest is just a total no. So this is mm-hmm. a nothing burger of a category for me. There is various other nomination nominees, of course, amongst, like, what is it, 30 fucking categories. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like, it's gonna be a fun show. I wonder who's gonna talk too much this time. <laughs> oh, probably everybody. We're probably doing yeah. it now. Yeah, probably. Anyways, I'm sure we'll be streaming it on uh, yes. Unlimited Video Games Twitch channel. Make sure to check that out, give that a follow. Oh, yes. But uh, in the meantime, I got a little bit more video game news, and I'm gonna try and do my best trailer announcer voice, despite being sick. Oh, no. <clears throat> Nintendo has decided to partner with Abby Arendt, the man who keeps running Spider-Man into the ground again and again and again. <laughs> and Sony, who, well, they're Sony, to take one of their most vibrant IPs, spanning a variety of stylized, gorgeous art styles, and cram it into a live-action movie. Directed oh, by no. Wes Ball, it's The Legend of Zelda. I feel like it would. Tom Holland would be a shoe in the place. Um, no, no, no! <laughs> I'm sorry, no Tom I'm Holland. Not, I'm I'm not saying I want it, but I'm saying it would just be really easy. <laughs> if Link speaks, this is a failure on the face of it. This is why it should be animated to begin with. It'd be much easier to get away with a mute protagonist in an animated movie. I think. That's <laughs> fair. Link has never really had a voice in any of the games, has he? No, all he does is say, Hah! 
That's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> God, I am not looking forward to this. This does not inspire confidence. Yeah, I, I think my favorite joke that's spawned from it is the whole thing of, oh yes, there's a Legend of Zelda movie starring Tom Holland as Link and Chris Pratt as Zelda. <laughs> Look, I will give you this. If they get Dave Bautista as Ganondorf, I'll be very enthused. You know what? Yes. That they won't would be do pretty it. great. No, they won't do but, it. But it would be perfect. I don't know if he'd be willing to go for it, but... Mm. I'd love to see that. Otherwise, no, I, I just... I guess get me a trailer, but it's gonna need to be a really good trailer, because otherwise all I can think is, like, Lord of the Rings light. I feel like this came out of nowhere, too. Right? Literally just kind of thinking, like, oh, hey, by the way, we're making this. It's like, what, you're just gonna randomly announce that you're taking one of the most beloved video game IPs on the planet and making a movie? Yes. It's like, yeah. okay. Bro, you can't come swinging into nerd culture and say Abby Arad is gonna be producing this thing and expect people not to panic. Yeah, Granted, even though it turned out to be a really, really good movie, do you remember the original reception to the Mario movie announcement? <laughs> you remember Spider-Man 3? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm sure this will be fine. I'm sure he can't possibly ruin everything he touches. <laughs> Fingers crossed that he doesn't. But I'm not super confident. Right. Yeah, same. This next bit of news I've got is a roller coaster. Oh boy. Yeah, so it was announced on November 9th that Warner Brothers was going to be shelving John Cena's Coyote vs. Acme movie, despite filming being completed and the movie already screening for people and testing well. Right, yeah, I remember that. So, in the same vein as Batgirl, they were going to write it off for $30 million in taxes. Mm. As you can imagine, people were not pleased. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, as of today, I think it was today, was it yesterday? When did this get announced? As of today, it was announced that it's actually being shopped to other studios instead. Okay, that's better. It's better, but it's also deeply concerning. Yeah, why not just release it on your own under your name and let the box office take care of it? <laughs> yeah, I like how... Scum of the Earth David Zaslav was like, ah, one of Warner Brothers' big appeals is we've got all these IPs and we've got all these brands. We've got all these things that people recognize and like. And you're going to take a Looney Tunes movie, a fucking Looney Tunes movie, and one that's testing really well and that people seem to like. With John Cena. With John Cena! <laughs> and you're going to write that off. Because, I don't know, you think you can get more money on it from your ta- What? Yeah, what the hell. What an idiot. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> what an absolute... I can't believe that. I, I think the thing that kills me about this, too, is that the fact that he continues to do this makes means that some part of his brain goes like, yep, this is a good idea. <laughs> this is working. Yeah, so it's like either he's just completely separate from reality or there is something that's like emboldening him to be like, yep, keep on doing that. Let's just keep on taking these finished things, which we paid a lot of mo people money for to make and create and all that, and just write it off, even though if all went well, we probably could have turned either broken even or turned a profit on it. Again, John Cena Bugs Bunny movie. You can't tell me that that's not gonna... Uh, Wile E. Coyote. Wile Coyote. Even better! <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't tell me that wouldn't at minimum break even if you put it out in theaters. I mean, goddamn. This part gets even better. Apparently, part of why they reversed course is that after the news broke that they were shelving the movie, 
Several filmmakers instructed their reps to cancel meetings that they had on the books with Warner Brothers. Good. Yeah, which is like, yeah, oh no, it's the consequences of my actions. I mean, that's also fair, because like, at that point, you're telling people, like, oh, this can happen to my project even though I've done nothing wrong? Well, fuck this, why would I want to work with you then? And even though the movie is done and testing well, we're still going to write it off. Yeah, which... Again, I think that would either fr- even further compound the whole thing of like, yeah, why would I work with you if you're gonna pull that shit? Nobody would! It's a stupid idea! Yeah, holy shit. So now I guess there's bidding going on for who gets it. Hmm. Apparently screenings are being set up for Amazon Prime, Apple, and Netflix. I'm kind of leaning towards Apple, hoping that if Apple gets it, we at least have a chance at a theatrical release. Fair. Super ideally, I'd like Universal or Paramount to get it, but... So you mentioning Apple just reminded me of a thing. A trailer came out for a project I've been waiting for for a while, and I got very mad because it was showing to be exclusive to Apple TV. Oh, no. Yeah, so, like, it's not a surprise, but it's... Well, it's kind of a surprise. It's still fucking annoying. Being a military history person, two projects that I've loved, like, watching from start to finish, are Band of Brothers and The Pacific, both of which follow memoirs of soldiers who fought in the European theater of World War II and the Pacific theater of World War II, respectively. I'm gonna guess the Pacific was Europe. That's okay. a joke. <laughs> so, not too long after the Pacific came out, Tom Hanks Steve, and Steven Spielberg, who have done both of these series, announced, oh hey, by the way, we're making a new series called The Masters of the Sky, which is following the 8th Air Force, um, which was the, like, most active bomber formation during the Second World War over Europe, and just following, like, their time until the end of the war. And it's like, oh, cool, great, awesome, looking forward to that. That was announced, I want to say, in 2013. Oh. So, yeah, so, like, there'd be musings about it every now and again, but it would be mostly quiet, so... I kind of figured at a certain point, it's like, alright, this just straight up isn't happening. This this is just hap- isn't happening. It's got to be in, like, development hell or something like that. So, whatever. And then, lo and behold, earlier this week, we got a trailer for Masters of the Air, and it's going to be showing exclusively on Apple TV. Now, I'm going to guess this is not, in fact, a distant prequel to Masters of the Universe. No, it is not. I mean, if it is, it's a hell of a thing. That would actually kind of garner my interest even more, in all honesty. <laughs> well, it turns out Tom Hanks is He-Man. <laughs> yeah, I am... Oh, God, it's the whole thing of, like, it, the whole point of streaming was to get away from cable, and now it's just back in a different form. It's just cable again. Yeah, because it's, like, it's the thing of, like, I want to watch this thing, but I don't want to subscribe to a thing that I don't fucking care about just to We all should have seen it coming, too. <laughs> it was obvious in hindsight. Yeah. You mentioning, like, um, the movie being shopped around the Apple TV just reminded me. It's a tiny little tidbit thing. Fair. I got a little bit of A24 news. Oh, boy. They have Darren Aronofsky on board to direct and are developing a biopic of Elon Musk. No. Please, yeah. God, no. This well, man okay. does not... <laughs> no, I have a little tiny baby bit of faith. A24 is generally pretty, you know, up and up as studios go. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping they roast him, but I'm not overly confident because apparently they're using his authorized... Well, he didn't write it, but an authorized <laughs> biography. 
that just that does kind of sum up everything about Elon Musk, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's like that. This thing of his. Like, well, I mean, he didn't write it. But. It's like it's like they're using his his authorized biography. Did he write it? No, but he authorized it. Well, what the fuck? It's like, and congratulations, you just summed up Elon Musk in one like three line conversation. Yeah, no, Walter Isaacson wrote the biography, but that's going to be the basis of the screenplay. The fact that it's an authorized biography tells me that's probably not going to be too uh too damning, but right. let me tell you, nothing would make me laugh more than if they went, like, full big giant satire biopic where they make him out to be an obviously fucking evil person, but he's portrayed as, you know, like, kind of like Dick's the Musical. <laughs> from the trailers, at least, where it's like, this is an asshole, but he's gleefully oblivious to his own assholishness, and the universe just kind of bends over backwards to make it work for him, that sort of mm. thing. Right. Because, like, if you did that, I feel like you'd have a really fun movie, you'd have a bunch of people roasting Elon Musk, and Elon Musk would be too stupid to get it. <laughs> True. He'd be like, oh no, this makes me look out to be great. <laughs> God, I hope he doesn't come sue. Yeah, kind of like a reverse Shakespeare at that point. Because I remember reading in school about how a lot of Shakespeare's plays were making fun of, like, you know, the wealthy and all that, but because the wealthy didn't, like, know how to read or anything, like, they didn't completely get it. <laughs> They'd be real mad at that sign if they knew how to read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's 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 not a reverse Shakespeare. If that's what they did, that would just be a Shakespeare. Oh, fair. Well, no, except Elon Musk, I feel like, would unfortunately not be too stupid to get it. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Mm, fair. Jester is, like, largely at Twitter. <laughs> I got two little bits of news from Kevin Feige. Oh, boy. Yeah, he was talking to Entertainment Tonight at the Las Vegas premiere of the Marvels. He was asked if his Star Wars movie was still happening. Mm. His answer was succinct. No. <laughs> Aw, unfortunate. Yet another one bites the dust. I'm surprised that these that the that his movie has been axed, but the biblical movie is still on the table. <laughs> For now. Mm. You gotta remember the Mangold one got announced way later. Ah, fair. But I'm not surprised, because Bob Iger was probably like, we need to get Marvel back in order mm, first. Yeah, understandable at that point. And I can't, have the, I can't have this guy working on Star Wars and Marvel at the same time, it's gonna get messy. But, uh, taking all bets, how long do you think the last group of Star Wars movies they announced is gonna last? Before they also get cancelled. Well, it's like, so they killed this one and they killed the fighter pilot one, right? Yeah. So, isn't the biblical one the... Well, no, it's the biblical one and Taika Waititi's one. I think those are the two. No, left, right? uh, there's a biblical one by James Mangold. There's a Dave Filoni, like, heir to the Empire thing, probably. Hmm. And there's the Ray setting up the new Jedi Order movie. Okay. And whatever Taika Waititi's doing. And, yeah, and <laughs> just, that just kind of sums up. And whatever the hell Taika Waititi's up to. Man, I don't want it to happen. Well, I don't want. I I am. I would want all of these movies to be made. In all honesty, just to see how they all turn out. But if I absolutely had to take a guess, I could see the Ray movie getting axed first. I feel like it's going to be mangled. Hmm. The idea of like Star Wars biblical epic about the first Force users that sounds too high concept. That sounds like they're going to be like, oh, I don't know if general audiences are going to go for that. Ax it. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I mean, I, I kind of pick Ray just because the tail end of the sequel series still does not have a lot of great reception. So I could see it be a thing of, like, the highest. You're like, okay, why would we do more with this? It already didn't do well. 
Well, Did, are you kidding? Did you well, see the box office? Well, yeah, box office, yeah, general reception, not so much. You think they give a <laughs> fuck about general reception right now? Mm. You think they give a fuck about critic scores or audience scores if it made bank? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I also say that as someone who, in a very broad stroke, did enjoy the sequel trilogy, including Rise of Skywalker. But that was also largely because Rise of Skywalker just killed my expectations from the get-go. The so dead speak, like... Palpatine has returned. Yeah. In Fortnite. It's like, it's like okay, they're gonna go over how Palpatine's back, right? Opening crawl. Palpatine has returned. It's like, alright. <laughs> In Minecraft. It's like, who fucking cares? It's just gonna watch the movie now, because literally at that point I was just like, alright, this movie's not gonna be good. Good, but that's and okay. like that, that, you've lost me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, this is not going to be a good movie, but I can at least enjoy myself now. <laughs> yep. That was very funny. I that was really good. Yeah, like I, I don't remember if I was with anyone when I saw Rise of Skywalker. I want to say, no, wait, I think I was with you. No, I saw it with I saw it with a couple other friends. Oh, fair. One of whom, the one who was a big Star Wars fan was mm. in the bathroom and missed that opening crawl entirely. <laughs> Honestly, if that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, because it meant I got to retroactively tell him, yeah, they just ripped the band-aid off and said Palpatine's back in the text crawl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. It's just like the most, like, that is the most expensive showing of not giving a fuck I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> Man. I'm telling you, Rise of Skywalker feels like if they had gone from Avengers Age of Ultron straight new Avengers Endgame and just skipped Infinity War. Yeah, you know what, I can agree to that. <laughs> Crazy. It's like, wait, what happened in the middle? Don't worry about it. What do you mean, don't worry about it? Fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, the other little tidbit was he was asked about if we'd see Harry Styles reprise his role of uh, Star Fox, a.k.a. Eros. Mm -hmm. And uh, the full quote was, He's excited, we're excited. We'll see. You introduce a lot of new characters in a lot of movies and a lot of tags. Where do the tag folk reappear? That's a good question. Mm. There are rumors floating around that they're working on an Eternals too. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but it's not confirmed yet. Oh, fair. I hope so, though. I liked Eternals. Well, you know what? That's I can get behind another Eternals movie just because it's a thing of, like, I realized, like, at a certain point not that long ago, it's like, wait, why are they here again? <laughs> I'm just like, saying, you, you have another sex scene in this one, but you make it Druig and Makari, and everybody will go nuts. <laughs> You're probably correct. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, no, the, the internet is a vile place, so... <laughs> well, also, they've got the best romantic chemistry of anybody in the movie. You know what, that too, that's fair. <laughs> Actually, you know what, if you want to go full, make the internet explode place, make it between Fastos and his husband. Mm. really get people mad, you know? Get all the worst fucking people as angry as you possibly can. No, they're not going to do that because they, they want to I know, to they're cowards. The well, they're cowards and they want to be able to sell the movie in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which It'd be just, really funny, though. It would be really funny. It'd be great, but they're cowards. <laughs> yeah. Use the fucking puppet, you cowards. Hmm. We got some movie delays. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, if you wanted to see Venom 3, you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer. Originally set for July 12th, it has been pushed back to November 8th. 
2024. Okay. That's a distance. <laughs> That's a little bit. I, oh god, we're getting three Sony Marvel movies next year. Oh god, oh wait, that's right. Because Madam Web is in February. That's still happening? Yeah, Craven got pushed back to August. Mm-hmm. And now Venom in November. Ven-November. Venom, shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> And uh, this triple threat from Sony is made even worse by the fact that we will now only have one Marvel Studios movie next year. Sony's picking up the slack for Marvel Studios. Uh, I can't even finish that sentence. <laughs> it's Craven in time, I suppose. Yes, indeed. Which is, what's the Marvel movie for next year again? That is Deadpool 3, which has moved from May 3rd, 2024 to July 26th. Man, this movie's <laughs> this movie can't avoid getting hit, can it? Oh, you think that's bad? Wait till you hear this shit. <laughs> oh, boy. So, July 26, 2024 was originally supposed to go to Captain America Brave New World. Yes. That has been pushed all the way back to February 14th, 2025. What the fuck? <laughs> Thunderbolts has moved from December 20th, 2024 to July 25th, 2025. Okay. And everyone's favorite movie that's never coming out, Blade, has been pushed back... Yet again, from February 15th, 2025, to November 7th, 2025. That movie's never coming out. We'll be never, dead before ever. We, will, we might actually be dead before that movie comes out. <laughs> I will live long enough for opening night, and then I will have a heart attack in the movie theater. <laughs> Obviously, I don't wish that upon you or me, but man, that would be ironic. It's like, it's like oh boy, finally. Like, the Blade movie. Ah! <laughs> Oh, they also moved Mufasa the Lion King from July 5th, 2024 to December 20th, what? 2024, but who gives a fuck? What? What? <laughs> the, the prequel to the photorealistic CGI Lion King movie. No. <laughs> God, yeah, you no. forgot. You forgot that was coming, huh? Yes, I did. Fuck. <laughs> yep. I hate everything about that. <laughs> Same. Same. It'll, be, it'll make bank, too, and that's the worst part. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, if there's literally be... anything else to see that day, I will see it. Hmm. The other thing, I mean. <laughs> Fair. However, one thing has not been delayed. Okay. James Gunn took to Twitter in the aftermath of, uh, well, uh, mm, I guess spoilers, the strike's over. Yeah, finally. <laughs> and on Twitter he said, Thanks to the efforts of our talented crew who never lost faith during the longest strikes in Hollywood history and who never let their foot off the pedal, continuing to barrel forward, creating the most amazing character and set designs I've seen in my entire career. Superman Legacy will be making the originally planned release date of July 11th, 2025. Okay. So it has not been delayed. All right. He even shared this neat little graphic, which I'm going to share with you now. I'm going to just put it in this chat. This, this is the easier way to do this. Alrighty. Look at that. Ha! <laughs> Alright. Naturally, <laughs> the internet had complaints. Mm. Based on the font. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the font, people started bitching about it. Why? They're like, oh, he's gonna bring Superman back to the 70s, is he? It's like, this font predates that movie, you dumb fucking idiots! <laughs> it's Who like, hurt this you? Is, this is... <laughs> Superman. Oh, Supergirl. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Show me on this so doll where Supergirl refused to touch you, making you the way that you are. 
Yeah, that's just, I mean, I don't know, in my brain, that is just the Superman font. It's just, like, the font that I have always yeah. associated with Superman. So it's like, what, what, people will find anything to complain about. Oh, yeah, they will. I think the both of us, if, if nobody else, are going to be very acutely aware of that. <laughs> <coughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I got one little bit of update before we go into strike news, uh, I guess. A minor little Daredevil Born Again update from new directors Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Okay. They're very early in a production. According to Moorhead, it is day zero. We're currently just consuming Daredevil content, not just a Netflix show, but all the possible material. We're just making our stew of information nice and thick. Extra thick. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, and I'm glad I let you. I'm glad I just went ahead. I didn't cut you off or anything. I just, I was like, let it sit. Let it sit there. He'll do it. Extra thick. <laughs> I'm glad I'm so predictable. Uh, at least for that particular word choice. Fair. <laughs> I have a joke. I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, I'm real glad to hear that they're actually reading up on Daredevil stuff, apparently. So, what's unfortunate is that the cynic in my brain is going, is like, so, th like, that's good, that's what we want to hear. Did the previous people not do that? <laughs> Secret Invasion people didn't. Mm. They told them not to bother. Did they now? Yeah, Marvel straight up told them don't bother reading Secret Invasion. Ugh. <laughs> Which I get it, Secret Invasion is bad, but... But it could have been better. I don't know, like... I know it's not really an apple, like a comparison, like the way they both went over it is very much apples to oranges, but they made Civil War cool with the movie. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Civil War, terrible comic line. Real great movie. Yeah. So I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yep. Anyways, uh, obviously that means we're still a ways off from seeing Daredevil Born Again, but I remain hopeful. Right. I remain hopeful. Let's get into strike news. Oh boy. Do -do 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 -do. Pay your fucking writers! And now actors. Strike's over. Alright, let's move on to the trailers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do just want to touch on some basic stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really funny because last week, when SAG After chose not to take the studio's quote-unquote last best and final offer, I figured this would go on for a while. But apparently the studio immediately about-faced and came back with a better deal. Which is just the most ridiculous thing, because it's like... Guys, you saw what happened with the writer strike. Everyone saw what happened with the writer strike. It's like you think you can do that a second time. It's like no, no. This time, this time, Dave. Listen, this time, Dave. We got them. They're gonna listen to us this time. It's like, but they saw the they were striking with the actors. Like, no, 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 no. They're stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> and it's even worse because now it's like you could have done this the whole time. Yeah, yeah. This could have been again with the same thing with the writer strike. This could have and honestly should have been dealt with ages ago. You just you just fucking kneecap the back half of this year and probably a good chunk of next year for no reason at all. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So all in all, I haven't been paying too much attention to most of the details because I don't understand most of them. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of them work. Yeah. I However, it sounds like people are pretty happy with it. As I understand it, basically the right the actors got everything that they asked for. It, it sounds like they at least got. It, it sounds like the writers' deal. They maybe didn't get exactly what, but they got good strides in the things that were major issues. The more important bases got touched, as I understand it. Yeah, and the main one is AI. 
Okay. Because they they have definitions for employment-based digital replica, independently created digital replica, generative artificial intelligence, and digital replication of background actors. Producers are now obligated to get consent from performers for these digital replicas. I still can't get over the fact that that was something where they were like, we don't want to do that. It's yeah, like- that's probably what they did with George Reeve in the Flash movie. Spoiler alert, uh, George Reeve one of the original Supermans in live action from the film serials, made an appearance in The Flash, reconstructed with CGI, and that's considered particularly in poor form because it is generally believed that the man was driven to suicide over being in a depressive funk at being typecast as Superman and left no surviving family. So, Mm. by all accounts, the studio took this man, who playing Superman functionally ruined his life, and brought him back from beyond the grave to play Superman again in their fucking Flash movie. Yeah, like, I remember that being a thing that was brought up, I think we talked about it last week, and we're like, yeah, we need it so that if you're going to have people be brought in through AI or what have you, that you actually have the, their consent, and if they're dead, you need to have the consent of the family, which is like, yeah, that's just basic human decency. What the fuck do you mean that they're not going to do that? <laughs> oh, and also in good news, uh, they do have to pay for reuse of a digital replica. So, good. if they make so, one like, and use it like three times, they would have to pay them each time. Good, which, I mean, unfortunately, that probably means that they're probably still going to cheap out and just like get different people every time. But Oh, I'm sure they're figuring out how to use loopholes for this, but... But it's at least good that like, if they were using actors like Model or what have you, they they have to pay them every time for their likeness. Yeah. So I guess this this concludes, this is the last week that we're going to regularly have uh, this segment. Uh, so, goodbye intro. <laughs> goodbye, sweet jingle. I was very fond of you. Indeed. <laughs> I'll probably still bring it back on occasion when, you know, when shit like David Zaslav writing off Coyote vs. Acme happens, we'll be there. The jingle will be there. <laughs> right. In the meantime, let's go to trailer time. Oh boy. It's trailer time again! We've got movie previews to watch! It's trailer time again! We had a few this week. Mm Mm-hmm. We got a teaser trailer for Inside Out 2. Oh, we did? (laughs) Yeah, it was on the list. Oh, was it? Hold did I miss that completely? Because I saw Mean Girls and... Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I just can't read. <laughs> okay, so I guess we're skipping Inside Out 2. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. This was going along anyway. Fair. <laughs> so I guess we also got a trailer for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. <laughs> well, I promise, I'm not bad at my job thing, I promise. <laughs> okay, if you tell me you haven't seen Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, I'll slap you because that is a... Pat falsehood. Yeah. <laughs> it was in front of the Marvels. So I didn't see the... Tra- <laughs> <laughs> it's like I showed up, like, apparently, like, really late for the Marvels, guys. <laughs> um, No, this looks... So, I mean, it does look... This one's weird for me, because objectively it still looks good. But Afterlife holds a very special place in my art. In my heart, mostly. In your art? Final- in my art, in my art, in my humanities. Art of um, hearts. Art of hearts. Art of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> art of darkness coming from the darkness, brother. So this, so it's one of those weird ones where it's like, 
Afterlife holds a special place in my heart because of like the final act and all that. I I mean, it was obvious that they were going to do a sequel to that. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, this still looks good, but I I don't know if it's me being unnecessarily cynical, but I'm like looking at this like I don't think it's going to be as enticing as the first one, but I'm absolutely still going to go see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there's a weird thing with this one where like, okay, this is going to sound weird for me to complain about, mm-hmm. but Ghostbusters is supposed to be predominantly a comedy. You know what? That's fair. And I get that Afterlife wasn't that, but I feel like Afterlife had the hook of, like, ah, yes, after we tried to bring this back without any of the original actors before and keep it. Then again, you know what? Okay, you know what? Ghostbusters 2016 kind of proves the case as to why I shouldn't be upset at Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Because you know what? Ghostbusters, the original, as a comedy, worked because it had that specific set of actors. Hmm. And trying to recreate that same feel with other people is not going to work as well. Yeah. So making them into, like, sort of family-friendly action comedy things, it's... It sounds gross when I say it like that, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's... The the kind of gist I got from Afterlife is that it's... In certain places, it's definitely on the border of, like, family-friendly. But it's, like, family-friendly, like, dark horror. Like, yeah. if you want to make a dark horror without, like, completely, like, freaking the shit out of somebody's kids. And you know what? Uh, Frozen Empire also keeps that, because, I mean, you've got people literally being explicitly name-dropped as freezing to death. Yeah. Which is pretty messed up. Oh, God, the, during the bits of the trailer where it's, like, you see the ice spikes, like, coming out from the ground, and, like, the taxi getting impaled by ice spikes, it's like, alright, there's nobody, like, there's no way, like, nobody's actually getting, like, impaled through their body. Yeah by one of these ice spikes like kind of one of those things where it's like this might be just a me thing but i'm just like oh they've they've definitely done the thing where they don't show anybody dying but you can watch those ice spikes and just kind of let your imagination fill in the rest yeah (laughs) but yeah i uh i like the new cast for this movie and i the new additions are great because you got pat Oswalt, you got kumail nanjiani mm-hmm and hell, apparently, I checked the cast list, they got William Atherton back as Walter Peck. Really? Yeah, the EPA guy who Bill Murray call- who Bill Murray says has no dick. <laughs> you heard it right, folks. This man has no dick. That's what I heard! <laughs> That's actually pretty crazy, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I don't know how I feel about this as a permanent evolution and direction of the Ghostbuster franchise, but I do understand the need to pivot because you're not going to recapture exactly the same kind of angle you're going for without right. all the main cast, and especially not with them aging up. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if that perhaps means you should maybe just kind of let it sit and just not do anything else with it. Right. However, on the flip side, we've already gotten two different continuations of the original, so you know what? Cat's out of the bag there. Ghost is out of the trap. <laughs> right. Let's go to Mean Girls. So, so I, I'm not gonna lie. I had no idea that there was a Mean Girls musical. Yeah, because because like during the second half of this trailer, I started getting very confused. It's like, is this a fucking musical? The original movie wasn't a musical. Like I had to go back and look it up because I haven't seen the original Mean Girls in forever. It's like, was the original Mean Girls a musical? And I just completely okay. forgot about it. <laughs> so you've seen Mean Girls? I have seen Mean Girls. Okay, because I haven't. 
<laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised by that, honestly. As recently as Halloween, I was told that I should absolutely watch it, because it's one of those movies where I will be absolutely floored by how many of its lines have sunk into the popular culture. Yes. But, um, I do want to check it out at some point, especially now with this coming out, but I find it really funny to say this is based on the Broadway musical, based on the original movie. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's an important distinction, but when you say it like that, it sounds kind of fucking stupid. It does sound a little stupid. But this looks like the good, proper kind of cringe. Yeah, like, I remember when it was announced that a Mean Girls remake or whatever was happening, it's just like, I don't think you can get away... Because the Mean Girls movie is, as it says in the, in the in the name, actually kind of a really mean movie. Like, a lot of the characters are just absolute dicks. So it's one of those things where it's like, if they're going to keep that spirit, I don't see that going over very well. But seeing, like, the musical ask like, the musical angle of it and all that, it's just like, alright, you know what? This makes a lot more sense, and I think this is gonna go over a lot better. <laughs> the movie um, sold me at the bit with, do you like gum? Oh, yeah, holds out hand. Oh, no, I don't have any. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I was like... That was good. You know what? Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I think for me it was the bit of, like, the teacher explaining, like, how sex ed was going to work and all that. <laughs> Condoms and choking. Yeah, it's just like, uh, uh, okay, I am, as much as I hate to say it, you now have my undivided attention, because- Wow, that's what you're into, huh? Well, no, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, a curriculum like that can only go badly, and I am here for that train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Also, another good line, if you don't dress slutty for Halloween, you're slut-shaming us. <laughs> when she said that, it's just like, I turn I'm like, okay, I think that's what's literally called a personal problem, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm actually weirdly looking forward to this, and now I need to watch the original. Yeah. Because I've never seen it. You think you think I could get away with putting it on the movie night list? I think so. Cool. Like, How long I, is I, it? I don't... I want to see it's like an hour and a half. I don't remember it being particularly long. Yeah, hour and a half. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll see if I can get away with it. Yeah. And then just today, I think, we got a teaser trailer for Garfield. Yes, um... This looks awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> like, it everything did. about this just screams, we wanted to make an original cat movie, and the studio insisted that we slap Garfield on it. Mm-hmm. Just no. Like, Why I'm is sorry, Samuel L. But... Jackson G Chris Pratt's dad? You know what? That is, normally I'm all for anything that has Samuel L. Jackson in it, but hearing his voice was just really jarring in a Garfield movie. Why is Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson cat so huge? Yeah. Why is Chris Pratt so bad at acting like Garfield? <laughs> he's not nearly aloof enough. Garfield's whole shtick is he's perpetually bored and lazy, and Chris Pratt doesn't sound like that at all. I, I will say it did kind of win me a few points when, like, the whole, like, first entire half of the trailer ends, and he's like, and that's the story of how I adopted John. It's like, yep, alright, you're a cat. <laughs> you're a cat, alright. That part was good. The inflection wasn't there, though. No. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I can agree to that. The only time Garfield should ever show any enthusiasm is food, and I guess they got that part, but... He, he went crazy on that food, that's for sure. <laughs> Just say when. Never, John. Bury me in cheese. So, uh, yeah, this does not look like my cup of tea at all, which, I mean, I it's an animated kids movie, so I guess that's not too surprising, mm. and I probably shouldn't be 
so uptight about maintaining the integrity of Garfield as an intellectual property, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know... But it bugs me! It, hey, hey, look, man, I want, like, Garfield blood and honey as much as the next person, but... Oh my. <laughs> now I actually want that. I want for Wouldn't making that be a joke Garfield, to... Guts, and Lasagna? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's like, I went from making a joke about it to actually kind of being like, oh no, but that sounds like fun, though. <laughs> Ugh. I'm so glad I finally got you to watch that. Mm. Let's go to box office. Alrighty. We did see the highest grossing movie this weekend, but the good news pretty much ends there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the Marvels actually took in the lowest domestic opening in MCU history. Oh no. $46.1 million domestic total. 109 million worldwide total. Do you know, like, what the previous record holder was? No. Okay. Not off the top of my head, at least. Fair. I mean, I do, as much as I hate to say it, I do believe that. Just because, amongst other things, the marketing for this movie was not great. <laughs> Market- I was just talking about this with a friend of ours, like, 30 minutes before recording, and mm. she said she thought this was going to be on Disney+, and didn't know it was a movie. Yeah, no, you know what, at this rate, it'll probably be on Disney Plus in the next couple weeks. <laughs> if that doesn't just show how badly they fumbled this and how badly making all those Disney Plus shows hurt the movie brand. Because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, you know, you've got the contingent of people going, oh, that's what you get when you make a woke movie. It's like, what is woke? Come on, let me hear you say it. Well, you know. It's my current state of attention. Uh <laughs> It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's... No, come on, what is it? It's I mean, it's a movie with a woman or a minority in the lead, right? <laughs> yeah? Alright, cool. What is more clear? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't going to pay much attention to that aspect just because looking at the three main characters of this movie, there's there's no way that that would have even been, like, a, a, a thing of discussion. Because it's like, you have, like... Again, you have two minorities, and all of the cast are women. Yeah, no, I just feel like making fun of the chuds who have been gunning for Brie Larson since 2019, actually 2018, because (laughs) it's sad and pathetic, and trust me, I would know. (laughs) Fair. I know a thing or two about being sad and pathetic, alright, so... Same. And I'm drawing the line here. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to make fun of these fucks. Right. Anyways, that's where I stop making fun of them. <laughs> and move on with the rest of box office. Alrighty. Second place was Five Nights at Freddy's. $8.9 million domestic weekend. $127.2 million domestic total. $252.3 million worldwide. Third place yeah. is Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. Still? Yeah, $6 million domestic weekend. $172.7 million domestic total, $241.6 million worldwide. You know what? I'm sorry, I just want to interrupt you real quick. It's like, yeah. I could see how I was bitching earlier about how, like, streaming has become the new cable. I could see it where other people are looking at how the Eris Tour thing is doing and be like, what if we just don't do concerts anymore? And we just, like, live stream in the theaters. Because look at how much money Taylor Swift is making. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those are live recordings of concerts. So the audience energy is probably a part of it. I mean, yeah, but still. <laughs> Someone will try and figure out some shitty way of doing it. Just to see if they can try and fail at making, like, something similar to that crazy-ass Taylor Swift money. Yeah. Fourth place, Priscilla. 
4.7 million dollar domestic weekend, 12.7 that ah, 4.7 million dollar domestic weekend, 12.7 million dollar worldwide total. Mm. Which is also its domestic total. Okay. <laughs> and then in fifth place, Killers of the Flower Moon. 4.5 million domestic weekend, 59.8 million dollar domestic total, 137 million dollars worldwide. Alrighty. So back to the Marvels. Yes, we saw the Marvels. We did. Apparently this is the highest grossing uh, opening weekend for a black female director, though. Really? Within the MCU? Or just in general? In general. Really? Yeah, so good on Nia DaCosta. Okay, that's actually kind of surprising. I had no idea that, like, of all movies, that it would be this one that would get that stat. <laughs> and I'm so sorry, because it deserves to do better. Yes, it does. Because the Marvels is fine! Yeah. It like, is a damn sight better than Quantumania. It's definitely better than Thor The Dark World. But, like, okay, this is a perfectly acceptable Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Frankly. It's not perfect. None of them are, except Winter Soldier. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like, structurally, from a nuts-and-bolts filmmaking standpoint, Winter Soldier is basically perfect. No, I mean, that's fair. I will hear no notes. Well, I mean, I was gonna say, it's like, that's also, I think, still my favorite MCU movie overall, so... Oh, it's not my favorite, it's just the best. Ah, fair. There is a distinction. Understandable. But it's like, this had so much going against it. Mm -hmm. First of all, Quantumania happened. Yeah. Because, I mean, okay... I don't think there's a lot of things going around like, oh, Marvel's in trouble, or oh, Marvel's dying. It's like, no, look, this problem just indicates that Marvel is not immune to the problems plaguing the entire industry. Yeah. Which is that you really have to advertise, and you have to give people a hook to get them to show up. Mm -hmm. And that also, the amount of content you've been churning out is probably not helping with that. Yeah, like, on on one hand, I know, like, a lot of people have been talking about, like, superhero fatigue and all that. I don't completely subscribe to that, but I do think that the saturation of Marvel content between the movies and more so the Disney Plus shows hasn't helped in that regard. I think Quantumania kind of hurt that, too, because Quantumania, just to kind of rip the band-aid off, did not do very well, and it wasn't particularly, like, highly received. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people were just like, okay, well, this is kind of like what the movies are are turning into, especially with the connection with the shows, which, with the exception of Loki, the show, the more recent shows haven't been super great. I can only imagine that that probably did not do a lot to help the Marvels do well from the get-go in the long run as well. Yeah. Really, it's... There's a lot of factors. One is that, okay, obviously, having your actors available to promote stuff isn't everything, but it is something. Yeah, like, I I have seen some people be like, you know, it's like, oh, it's not doing well because of the right strike. It's like, eh, or the actor strike. It's like, eh, I mean, that definitely didn't help, but you can't pin all of it on just that. <laughs> I'm telling you, they cost themselves at least $100 million not being able to have him on Villani. Probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah. So, there's that. There's the fact that this is the first one of these movies post Disney Plus shows coming out mm -hmm. where characters who started off in a Disney Plus show are headlining a movie. Right. So you've got that added thing of people feeling like they should have watched Miss Marvel, which actually 
didn't have very high viewing statistics, but was very, uh, it, it was very popular in the demographic you would expect to relate to Miss Marvel. I'm going to assume mostly teenagers are mostly like 18 to 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you've got the added thing of people feeling like they need to have watched these shows that they might not have watched in order to understand it, which you don't. That's mm-hmm. the, like, that's the big secret of the MCU. You don't actually have to have watched most of these movies to get what's going on. Right. They're usually pretty good at supplying context. Uh, yeah. yeah no, and this sure. is like, no exception to that. Yeah, like, so I still, because I'm bad at just keeping up with the shows in general, I still haven't watched any of Miss Marvel. There were a couple of things, I kind of got the feeling, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, there were a couple of things where I'm just like, okay, there's a couple of things I'm curious about, probably would be extra details if I watch the movies, but definitely didn't feel like that, or watch the show, sorry, but definitely didn't feel like I was missing out on anything by not watching the Miss Marvel show. You definitely get more details from Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I think if anything, the, not that the movie really needed to do it, but I guess kind of the, the thing that was kind of jarring in that aspect was that she's introed with powers and all that, which, if you're someone who hasn't watched any of the shows and is kind of going in only watching the movies, I can kind of see how that might be a little bit jarring. Because when she's introduced, she's introduced with already having, like, her light-based powers. I don't know. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Because Spider-Man and Black Panther got introduced with powers in Civil War. Mm, True. Like, we're at the point in the MCU where people could just show up with superpowers. It's not a big deal. Mm, Yeah, fair enough. Because I'm also replaying the introduction of how Spidey especially was introduced within Civil War and all that. I, I mean, I guess, if anything, his introduction was, like, at least moderately subtle, but it was still shown with, like, Tony Stark having footage like, hey, that's you, swinging all up and down Manhattan. <laughs> there was nothing subtle about it. They had a big, giant title card that said Queens on it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as that happened, anyone with even a modicum of comic knowledge was bouncing up and down in their seat going, ah, here it is! <laughs> Fair. Anyways. One more point to things work against this movie, and then I'll actually get into the movie, I swear. Mm-hmm. Is, there was a pretty concentrated bend of people seeming to want this to fail. Yeah, it's both hilarious and kind of scary. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you even had publications like Variety putting out that hit piece going, Oh, Nia DaCosta wasn't involved in post-production. It's like, no, she was. She was doing it remotely because they switched the release date of this movie four different times and she had other obligations. It's pretty Mm. standard practice. Yeah. You got everybody questioning, oh, she only directed one other major theatrical movie before this one and they just handed it to her. It's like, first of all, that's not true. She had more feature films before that. They've also Mm. given movies like this to directors with similar resumes, like John Watts didn't have a lot to his name before the Spider-Man movies. So the fact that you're singling out Nia DaCosta over this... Is a little scummy. Little scummy, little suspicious. Makes me kind of question what your real issue is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't want know how much you like really want to get deeply into it. Because again, it's the whole thing of like people who are just mad that the movie exists. But the reception review whatever uh, thread on the movie subreddit for this was hilarious <laughs> well because that was another thing like so it started off with a uh, rotten critical score on rotten tomatoes which i mean it doesn't matter but mm-hmm. people act like it matters so it functionally matters yeah 
But so many of the reviews that I read all had that undertone of, like, I'm sick of reviewing the Marvel movies, and the sooner these die, the sooner I can get back to looking at real cinema. When it's like, <laughs> motherfucker, nobody's stopping you from doing both. Yeah, it's... I think that was the thing that killed me, too. It's like, because I saw some things about that. It's just like, then why are you putting energy and attention to these? Like, And one of the most notable reviews that the, the guy got kind of roasted on the internet mm-hmm. was... The, the summary of the review was basically saying, it doesn't feel like a movie made for comic fans, it feels like it was made for teenage girls. And it's like, you know, girls read comics, right? <laughs> you know how stupid and gross that statement sounds, yeah? Yeah, it's like... No, yeah, of course like, you don't. Yeah, it's like, yeah, other people read... Other people besides dudes read comics, and... God, it's just a it's just a replay of the whole thing and how people couldn't believe for the longest time that girls also play video games. Right? Real games made for real girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a disgusting in joke. Yeah. Um it's just like bruh. <laughs> no, anyways, okay, so enough enough just defending the movie on the basis of circumstances that were conspiring against it. The movie itself, like I said, fine. It's a really fun time. Yeah, I would say on the whole, it's like, it's, if there is anything that hurts this movie as far as, like, in it being a movie, is that some of the editing kind of throws off the pacing. It's very brisk. It is very brisk. Maybe a little too brisk. Yeah, there were a couple of moments, like, when it came to uh, characters, like, changing and accepting things, it's just like, this feels like this happened way too quickly. <laughs> I feel like there was an extra five minutes in this scene that got cut. Yeah, but... And there's one whole segment where it could have been it could have been like half the movie and I would have been fine. Yeah. You know the one. We'll get to it. <laughs> and you can feel where a bunch of it probably got cut out. Mm-hmm. I think if anything from the standpoint of the movie being a movie, that was the main thing that hurt it. There wasn't an awful lot that I think like hurt the movie away from that. I think part of that is that it was also because the movie, and the movie makes it kind of clear, it wasn't going out of its way to reach, like, crazy new heights, not introducing, like, major new concepts or characters or anything like that, for the most part, at least. it In a weird way, it felt kind of focused in that regard, and I think that helps it. No, yeah, like, okay, the editing makes it feel a little too short at times, but on the upside, that does mean it doesn't feel overly long. Mm-hmm. This is not a movie that drags by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Again, just to reiterate, if anything, the movie goes a little bit too brisk, but it also, there's not any moments that I feel like overstay their welcome for the most part. Yeah, and I feel like all the important beats are handled adequately, if not expertly. Yeah. You raised my hopes and dashed them quite expertly, sir. Brother. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. This fair. It came from Futurama, but I mean, I don't know what inspired that. Anyways. <laughs> Other great points in this movie. The action choreography. Oh, really notch. good. This is this is how you do creative fight scenes because you've got three characters with slight like two of them have very similar powers, but mm. there's just enough difference between them that they still feel unique. And then you've got All a right. third with similar visual powers, but they function completely different. Mm-hmm. And you've got the added thing of they're all constantly switching places. Yeah, which, that is just, at a certain point, I realized in the, like, in watching the movie, especially when the movie was focusing on how 
they switch powers. They they um because it's shown in the trailers, they switch locations every time they use their powers, and ends up being with um later on. It's like there's some rules to that, and it's like, oh, I can already think of a bunch of different ways, like different creative ways that they could have d- used that. And some of them were probably ones just like, no, guys, we can't put that in. The movie will be three hours long if we do all of this. <laughs> yeah. It also has to be said, the chemistry between the leads, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Iman Vellani, Tiana Paris, and Brie Larson all do a phenomenal job in this movie. Iman Vellani is a knockout standout of this thing. They need to put her in as many of these movies as she's willing to be in. <laughs> no, she she's great. She has exactly the same infectious enthusiasm from her series, and it's just, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And what's funny is that I was expecting, I, I don't think this really spoils anything, I was expecting her to be even more cringe than how she's shown in the trailers, and she is, <laughs> but it's also not totally off-putting either. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's it'll, it's, there's a couple points where, like, it kind of gets close, but then it's just like cuts off at the right moment with in usually a pretty funny way. I will do whatever of... you need. I will drop high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, don't 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 do that, sweetheart. Don't nah. do that for your heroes. <laughs> uh how many more chapters of this Marvel fan fiction is this creating right now? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that too, because that was yeah. that everything surrounding that was great. <laughs> oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That's another one. The supporting cast is also really good. Yeah. After Secret Invasion made me hate Nick Fury's ever-loving guts, all it took was him popping up here, and I'm just like, oh, thank God, you're back to better. Yes, you're back to better. And he's better. He is hilarious. There's definitely a few lines I'm pretty sure he just, like, ad-libbed in the moment, and they're like, like it's either that or they were outtakes, but they're like, oh fuck, we we kind of have to leave that in. That was actually pretty funny. <laughs> Nick Fury is the second best character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, I can't. I'm just, I'm half of the spoiler section is probably just gonna be me dropping stupid lines of his. It's great. <laughs> and having the uh, cons back from Miss Marvel was also good because they're not, they're in it, they're involved, but they don't overstay their welcome and they don't end up getting inserted into things that would make them feel like they shouldn't be in the scene. Right. In fact, if anything, and I'll get into this in the spoiler section, there were a couple of scenes where I could have stood to see them and was kind of disappointed we didn't get them. Hmm. But we'll get into that. Right. I like how they're all, like, her mom, Maniva, is supportive, but only to a point, and that's understandable because... This is this is a thing, like, it, it carries over to see the show. But by the end of the show, they're accepting of Kamala's superheroics. However, you can see where this is a step beyond what she's dealing with, and therefore they're not entirely comfortable with it, because they're like, mm, this is not, this isn't what we figured. Yeah, this isn't, like, what exactly we had in mind. Yeah. And, uh, and also it's the thing, like, there are definitely a couple moments where... Because, again, I hadn't seen the show, so I'm just like, okay, these people are a little overbearing, but then they kind of in one way or another, just do the thing of, like, oh, yeah, well, this is our fucking daughter that we're talking about. It's like, all right, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. The villain's motivations are good. Mm-hmm. By good, I mean interesting. Yes. The villain themselves feels a little underdeveloped. Yeah. You know what? 
something that and it, it occurred to me again when I was going through like the movie's reaction thread on the movie subreddit. There is yep. a very interesting like real world parallel to the story of the to like the crux of this movie that unfortunately I think kind of goes over a lot of people's heads. <laughs> it's kind of a spoiler to get really deeply into it, but it was one of those things where it's like, wow, I didn't think about that. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Also kind of not cool, but a little funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, most of the movie she's just standing around calling Carol the Annihilator and venting about grievances. Mm-hmm. And it kind of stinks, because, like, mm-hmm. we've gotten this before. Yeah, it's the thing of, like, we've gotten this before. As the movie kind of goes on, it kind of gives more details into why she's acting the way she is, and it's like, alright, that that is understandable. I'm not going to say I don't get where you're coming from, but We've kind of had this type of villain before, so it doesn't really feel fresh in a sense. Yeah. Double-edged sword, this movie does a good job developing Carol as a character and fleshing out her past in between movies a bit. Mm-hmm. But it also shows where the decision to have her first movie and second movie jump like 30 years and have it take four real-world years between her first and second movie kind of hurt her. Hmm. Because there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, I would have really liked to have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. It's one of those, if this were a comic book, this would be the point where there'd be a text box in the corner going, check out issue number 26 for more, true believers. Only that doesn't <laughs> exist here because they don't have everything filmed, obviously. Again, kind of one of the main cruxes of the movie is basically that. And it's one where it's just like, no, I actually kind of would have liked to see that. <laughs> it's like, I would have liked to see everything involved in that, but I, we're not getting that because there's not like a side issue or side movie in this case. Mm. And also speaking to the point of the movie being briskly edited, mm-hmm. the ending feels a little cookie cutter. Mm. I'm not so much invested in what's going on as I'm invested in how it's going to shake up a couple of particular characters. Oh, right. And that's a little bit of a fault, and I feel like the movie could have taken some more time to focus on things. But it doesn't sink it. Right. Also, Carol confirms strongest hero in the MCU. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I know, I know, I'm a huge Thor fan, and I'd like to believe Thor is the strongest one. He's not. No, I... With some of the things that she's done in in this movie, especially the whole two nickels thing, I think <laughs> that just kind of proves it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like it's like you can't do the two nickel, and we'll we'll explain what that is in a little bit again in the story. So it's just like you can't do the whole two nickels thing, and then be like, "Yeah, I'm not the strongest." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got anything else that's not a spoiler? Uh, I don't think so. Alright, so this is definitely worth watching. Oh yeah, 100%. Go see it. It deserves to do way better than it's doing so far, at least. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to get spoiled on the Marvels, make sure to click away in 3, 2, 1. I'm going to make the off-color joke now that popped into my head way earlier. When you made the extra thick jokes, I was like, well, the movie did have Tiana Paris in it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Because goddamn. <laughs> I might cut that. (laughs) I will not stop you if you decide to cut that. (laughs) No one will ever know the... No one will ever know the joke I have made. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, for 
I mean, this might be jumping ahead a bit, but I just kind of want to talk about it because when I realized, when I saw it happen in the movie, I just went again. Um, boy, if I had a nickel for every time a major Marvel character threw themselves into a sun, I would have two nickels. It's not a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> if you count what if, technically it's three times. I mean, that's, you know what, that's true. I will give you that. I was thinking it more from the movie standpoint, which is why I only thought of two. But but three does make it worse. <laughs> you know the even funnier part? If you count what if, that's the second time it happened to Carol. Oh shit, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Man, I forgot, because I've only seen all of what if once. So, oh, that's funny. <laughs> also, That's I don't weird. know why, but when she flew into the sun to restart it, all I could think was I just had the dumb joke in my head of checkmate atheists. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here's your god, and her name is Brie Larson. <laughs> Look at that. Intelligent design restarted the sun. Mm. <laughs> okay, so actually to kind of like kind of roll back into I guess order of events a little bit. Yeah. Well, why don't you start, I guess? Okay, so Carol Danvers is off in space, righting wrongs and what have you, finds out that some Kree extremists or something are up to something, mm -hmm. or another Kree accuser. I'm not 100% sure how the Kree are working these days. It's never really made clear exactly what, um, what's the antagonist, or what Darben's, like, angle is in that regard. Like, I'm surprised we remember her name. <laughs> It, for what it's worth, it's the, I think this is the first time in a while where my brain just actually popped back up with her name. And it's just like, you get one of these every six months, you're going to use it for this. <laughs> yep. So Darben has unearthed this bangle. Uh, it's a duplicate, the other half of, this, of the one that uh, Kamala Khan in Jersey City on Earth has. And in the process of trying to stop Darben from whatever she's doing... Actually, no. Darben already did the thing. She created, like, a new jump point in space. And Carol goes to investigate it at the same time that Monica Rambeau is investigating an overloaded jump point in space. And Kamala happens to be wearing her bangle. And because all of their powers are light-based, they become entangled, causing them to switch places whenever they uh, use their powers in tandem. Can I just say how amazing it is? And I, I feel like this isn't the first time it's been brought up, but... Man, I just love how a lot of major characters in the MCU just go through some different form of, like, the toddler test. The whole test of, can I eat it? Will it kill me? In this case, it's, can I touch this supernatural alien force? Will it kill me? As Nick Fury <laughs> says in the movie, new rule, stop touching shit. Especially glowing <laughs> mysterious shit. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's like I feel like between the movies and certain things of the comics, just the thing of, like, man, these characters just can't help but, like, just put their hands on weird shit that they don't know if they'll kill them or not. It's like... Touch, don't touch. Yeah, it's just like, oh, look at this. This is a weird, like, supernatural force I've never seen before. It's just got weird light coming through, and I can see through multiple dimensions. I'm gonna poke it with a stick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, goddamn. Um, but yeah, like, so that's the thing that causes the whole switching for them. And again, that creates some unique <laughs> situations for them. Like, it's the first time... You even time got we... Kamala's family joining in on trying to beat the shit out of a couple of Kree guards. Which was amazing. It was. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the whole thing of like, well, home defense. 
Like, they they were not at all equipped for it, but they did give it their damnedest try, and I think they they did fuck up at least one of them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So that was a very fun scene from that. Again, this movie has... It's very clear with some of the fight scenes in this. Like, just that early fight scene where it's the family trying to fight the Kree while also having to deal with Monica, Carol, and Kamala just switching places midway through. That it's like, alright, there are definitely some very creative fights that got left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a bit with, um... I love... Just Carol holding up her hand, going, yeah, it did this. And then Fury just goes, scissors cuts paper. Holding up his, <laughs> holding up two of his fingers. <laughs> oh my, again, I'm pretty sure that line was ad-libbed alongside that and during the final bit of the scene where they switch places and you see Kamala trying, like just falling to the ground while Monica is trying and failing to save her life. Right at the last minute, right before, like, Kamala just like face plants into the earth. She switches with Carol. She's like, "Oh, cool, it's Carol." <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool, it's Carol. And it just goes right to like another scene right there. It's like, no, no, you're not allowed to do that. You can't just leave us with that glorious line and just try to swap scenes as if nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, I at least demand a four sitcom like audio track of like a, a group applause. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. <laughs> So, uh, they end up trying to investigate. Darben is at this, uh, peace talk with the scrolls. Completely, well, I guess it was hinted at in Secret Invasion, but otherwise the show completely ignores Secret Invasion, which good. Mm. It turns out Darben's real plan is to steal things from other planets that are important to Carol in order to revitalize the Kree homeworld, because, jumping ahead, because you kind of have to at this point, it turns out 30-ish years ago, Carol did just roll up to Hala and just ixnade the Supreme Intelligence, the AI that runs the Kree. Yeah, and then just fucked off, which is honestly... Well, go ahead. I wouldn't say really fucked off, it's just, it turns out without that Supreme Intelligence to guide them, the Kree devolved in a civil war and basically strip-mined their entire planet, including killing their son, somehow? (laughs) Well, that was the thing that kind of made me go, it's like, it was brought up, like, again, in the same thread where it's just, like, us, like, people talking about, like, some more in-depth themes and all that. It's like, yeah, there's one that I can't believe people aren't talking about in that you have this former United States military officer going somewhere completely foreign without really, like, a, I mean, she was involved with the Kree, but, like, um, they were things like, you know, not completely understanding how everything works, going, destroying their leadership. And kind of not sticking around for the results. <laughs> and it's just like, huh, <laughs> that's actually a little funny, isn't it? <laughs> see, uh, on the one hand, <clears throat> I get that parallel, and mm-hmm. I see what they were going with, because it turns out part of the reason why Carol stayed away from Earth for so long is she felt guilty about what happened to the Creed because she feels like that was her responsibility. Which already kind of kills the parallel, but we'll... <laughs> to an extent that. it is, right? The fact that she feels guilt You're already right. kills the parallel. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it, and the fact that, you know, the fact that she does feel bad about it and was trying to make it right is mm-hmm. what makes her a hero. Right. On the flip side, I will say, the Kree were already waging war with the universe, and uh, it's kind of not on you if you remove the thing that was controlling them and they decide, we're just gonna fucking go on a rampage. Yeah, we're just gonna freaking destroy ourselves, which, 
Again, certain real-world parallels there. <laughs> it's not entirely on you. A lot of yeah. it's on them. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, just a little bit. So she ends up, because it turns out with this bangle, which is actually a quantum band, which is a thing from the comics, mm. she can open up new jump points, but the more she does, the more it destabilizes the entire transit network and threatens to tear a hole in the entire fucking universe. Right. So she steals the atmosphere from this scroll colony. Hmm. And they all try to figure out where she's gonna go next, and they do some, like, mind surfing. <laughs> Which leads to some actually sad moments, like Kamala finding out that Monica's mom died. Yeah. And then led to a really sweet hug. Yeah, it was like seeing that and also seeing, like, uh, Monica rewatching. Or, at, or, yeah, more or less, like, seeing the last moments that Carol had with her mom. After all that, after all that, I figured it was going to turn into, like, a big fight or something like that, and they all just kind of, like, had a very sweet hug and just, like, actual understanding is like, oh, healthy communication, it's such a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, no. None of these conflicts feel like they go on for a stupidly long time. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a little bit where Carol snaps at Kamala over something. Not even snaps, just is, like, short with her about something. If it's what I'm thinking of, it's during the bit where they're trying to rescue all the Korean. It's just like, no, or scrolls. scrolls, like, scrolls. It's like, no, we can, we need to rescue as many as we can. We can't rescue them all. Well, I feel like there was a bit where she goes, like, just stay put, don't do anything. And she goes to fight some Korean, and then a bunch of debris is about to fall on some scrolls. So Kamala throws up a barrier that causes her to switch places with Carol. And I think Carol gets a little short with her, like, I told you to not do anything. Mm-hmm. But then she but then she quickly realizes, okay, yeah, no, but you were trying to help, and that's the correct thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I like how not necessarily understanding, but how generally chill Carol is with this random superpowered fangirl of hers. <laughs> she definitely handled it better than I would have. She clearly doesn't know how to handle it, but she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't immediately go, okay, you're weird. It's like, all right, and Carol's just like, oh shit, I found myself in a Bethesda game. <laughs> it was like I just got this adoring fan following me everywhere. <laughs> uh let's see. Uh so then they go to this other planet where mm, this is the best part of the movie. <laughs> Cuz it's so adorable too. <laughs> it's so amazing. So they it's, go to but this it's planet also stupid as fuck. <laughs> that's like 95 99% ocean. Mhm. Mm and first of all, everybody on this planet communicates via song. <laughs> Which is, they do a good job introing that, but just having, like, this absolutely adorable little girl just, like, welcome them and all through song and all that. It's just like, oh, no. I, At first, you, know, you just think like, it's like a ceremonial thing, and then everybody else starts doing it, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. It's like, oh, no, we're we a Disney movie now, boys. <laughs> we, in fact, a Disney movie. <laughs> and then it gets even crazier, because it turns out, and this is part of what I mean when I say I would have liked to have seen more of Carol's adventures. Yeah. She is, by her by her admission, it is of convenience, she is married to the prince. To the prince of this all-singing, all-water planet. Right. <laughs> and we actually get a, a bit of, of Carol Danvers dancing with this guy and singing. In a absolutely beautiful, but very Disney princess Captain Marvel dress. <laughs> it was amazing costume design-wise. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it was like, actually, like, genuinely, like, on a gorgeous-as-fuck dress. 
but it was also a thing of like when it switched, I just it's, it's like oh no, I I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, it's just like we're just gonna lean real hard into this Disney princess malarkey real quick. They could have leaned harder. That's the even yeah. weirder part. Like, yeah. that sequence could have been forever long. We don't really get Kamala or or Monica singing at all in this. Like, mm. they don't even try. They just kind of <laughs> stand there observing the whole thing, talking normally with each other. Yeah. And this uh, is honestly the scene where I feel like you could have had Kamala's family show up because there was actually a pretty big dance number in Miss Marvel. Oh, was there? Yeah, no, it's great. We need to watch the series at some point. I need to show it to you. Fair enough. No, um, for me, it was also a thing of, like, with this whole singing planet at all. I, I love how, like, again, like, Carol's trying to tone it down and all that and just not try to bring it too much attention. It's like, oh, it's just, it was just a legal issue, just something done out of convenience for anything else. The next thing that's shown right after that is a giant gold plate with a picture of Carol and the prince next to each other. <laughs> Amazing. And it's like, are you sure about that? <laughs> and then after all that, it turns out the prince can actually speak normally. And when Kamala and Monica are amazed by that, she goes, yeah, he's bilingual. Which it, it, which at that point I'm just like kind of squirreling in my sheet, going, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> it's like you can't use like, like I feel like in any other movie that would have been such a like cop out answer, but because of how ridiculous just that whole sequence was, it's just like, oh, I, I hate that that actually kind of works for this. <laughs> so a big fight breaks out, and also while this is all going on, the saber station in space that Nick Fury set up in. And that he brought uh, Kamala's family to in the interim mm-hmm. is getting damaged by energy pulses from the jump points and um, eggs. Eggs, right? Well, weird objects are they're 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 goose eggs, not goose the bird, goose the the alien cat, the forkin. <laughs> yes. So Darben siphons all the ocean from well, not all the ocean, but a good chunk of the ocean from Musical Planet anyway. <laughs> I like how. You know what's funny? How you mentioned, it's like, I can't believe you remember her name. It's like, I like how we remember her name, but I cannot for the life of me remember the name of the planet in question. <laughs> right? Crazy. <laughs> so Darben fucks off. Everybody has a emotional reconciliation moment mm-hmm. where Carol admits to her guilt complex regarding the Kree, and that's why she stayed away from home for so long. Mm-hmm. Monica tells her she doesn't have to be perfect, and, you know, shit happens. Yeah, it's like, she's just like, no, love girl, it's okay that you did, like, space Afghanistan, at least you feel bad for it. At least you feel bad for space <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> Amazing. Mm. So they go to the saber station where everything's falling apart and there aren't enough escape pods, and then they come to the conclusion, oh, once they realize all the eggs are hatching, and that it's Florkins, it's already established earlier in the movie, Florkins can swallow people harmlessly and spit them back out. So the solution is, have the Florkins swallow all the space staff. You know, honestly, I didn't say anything at the time, but when it was when it was revealed that um all the eggs were goose eggs because they're all forkins, I was just like, I'm pretty sure I know what's about to happen next. <laughs> yep. And to that extent as well, I love that not only when the plan was started, everyone's running around and the answer's just going, he's like, let the florkins eat you, you'll be <laughs> okay. Apparently they the song that they picked was from Cats as well. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Along I with, that... Am I remembering right? Uh, when, when they're running the plan by them, Carol just goes, so we're literally herding cats. And then sees a, sees a floor can run by and she's like, come here, kitty. Mm. <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure that happened. 
That was good. Yeah. But yeah, they used the Furkins to escape just barely. They land in New York. Oh, yeah. So the escape pod gets out of control, and as as it's, like, heating up on re-entry, the cons mm-hmm. start praying, and Nick Fury goes, Are you praying right now? And they stop. <laughs> well, stop. We need all the help we can get. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, like, God almighty, not have been as funny as he was in this movie. <laughs> okay, Valkyrie's in this movie. I almost forgot. Oh, yeah, well, to be fair, she's only there for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, but she basically resolves the entire plot of Secret Invasion. <laughs> That's true. Because she's like, oh, yeah, the scrolls can come hang out on New Asgard. And it's like, yeah, that would have been a solution, wouldn't it? That would have been a really fucking obvious solution to this problem in this series, huh? I'm so glad I didn't do a Loki Season 2 review this episode. I'm so goddamn glad. Well... I mean, I don't know, does Nick Fury have any connections with New Asgard? Yes. Okay. I mean, I'd assume, hey, I used to work with Thor, can you help a brother out? <laughs> oh, that's that's fair. Yeah, or you get know, a foot in the door. I mean, same thing, I haven't seen any of Secret Invasion, but that is kind of funny, and <laughs> it's just like... Oh, yeah, they could hang out with us. It's like, oh, well, that's a nice thing to do. Oh, wait, that's right. Secret invasion happened. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> also, apparently, uh, people are wondering if Carol and Valkyrie might be a thing. Hmm. I'm not against it, but I would like it yeah, to I'm be explicit. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need, I don't, uh, you know, I don't need it to be, like, explicit, explicit, but I'd like an explicit confirmation instead of being cowards and going, oh, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah, cowards. Mm-hmm. Let Fastos and his husband have sex, you cowards. <laughs> so they go to stop Darben from siphoning Earth's son. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually kind of hate it when they're like, oh, she's going to our son. It's like, it's not that I hate the idea of it per se, but it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as it's like, oh, she's going for our son, it's like, well, fuck, you just kind of gave away how it's going to go then. <laughs> Can't possibly like, work. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's going to go siphon our sun for energy for her planet? I wonder how... Of course she's gonna fucking lose. <laughs> Big fight happens. Carol agrees to try and restart the Hala's sun herself. Mm-hmm. Darben's like, yeah, alright, psych! Takes a second bangle, <laughs> overloads with power, disintegrates herself in a very anticlimactic finish. Mm-hmm. Kamala puts on both bangles. And her and Carol blast Monica full of power so she can seal the hole in space, but it's got to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. And also, that's a little thing. Like, they don't really do a good enough job establishing why Kamala can use the bangles. I know, because it's from her show, that she's a mutant. And apparently her mutant power lets her use the bangles properly. But she doesn't need the bangles to use her mutant powers at the same time. No. Though. Yeah. No. Which... So she's got her own powers. But I guess you can use the bangle for more powers, which what, yeah. didn't really come up in the other show. But I guess that makes sense because there was only the one. You know what? It's funny because I realized that during that whole scene when Kamala rescues um, Carol and all that by reaching out an energy hand to grab her. It's like, but you don't have the... Okay, so you don't need the bangles to use your powers. That's cool. Nah. Why do you have them then? <laughs> well, she, she keeps the bangle on because it was her grandmother's. I mean, fa- okay, fair. So, Monica gets trapped uh, in another universe entirely. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that indeed. The main important part is that it makes Kamala sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore, it's the worst thing ever to happen. 
Right. Somebody moves into Mo- to Monica's old house, and I don't know if it was the cons were moving in, or if it's Carol was moving Monica's stuff in there, and the cons were helping? I feel like it was a thing where the cons... Because the cons' house basically got destroyed. So I, I got the feeling that it's like the cons are moving into Monica's house. I would assume Fury would have enough pull left still to help him rebuild it. True. Because, I mean... Or at least move them somewhere closer than Louisiana. <laughs> Fair. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. And it also kind of pulls Kamala away. Kamala, sorry. It pulls Kamala away from her own personal setting, which is iconic to her character. Mm-hmm. And also, she ends up right back in New York at the end of the movie, anyway. True. Yeah, yeah. Recruiting Kate Bishop. Recruiting Kate Bishop for the Who? totally not young Avengers. <laughs> I did not expect to see in this movie. Yeah, no, it's, you know what, it's a thing of, like, when she showed up at the end, it's like, man, you know what, it's good to see you, because it feels like you've kind of been forgotten about a little bit. <laughs> and it's only been two years, is the crazy part, but it's been so many projects since then. Yeah. But it's just, it's perfect, because it's just like, he pulls a Nick Fury sitting in Kate's apartment in the dark going, Kate Bishop. Do you think you were the only kid superhero in the world? I'm 23. 23. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Like... <laughs> oh, go she ahead. Just, she just drops it all and just starts enthusiastically recruiting her for the Avengers pitch. And I feel like the funniest thing about that moment is mm-hmm. that it's a recreation of Nick Fury showing up to tell Iron Man about the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that's not a matter of public knowledge. Oh, which oh, means real? I'm oh. pretty sure, like, I am i don't imagine Tony Stark told everybody, yeah, Nick Fury broke into my house one night and told me about the Avengers. <laughs> and then nothing happened for five years. So that just means that, like, like either she got it out of him or Nick Fury just casually told her, it's like, hey, oh yeah, did I ever tell you about how I created the Avengers? <laughs> that implies that she asked Nick Fury, how'd you go about re- recruiting the Avengers? And he said, I broke into Tony Stark's house and said this curious <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's just like, I have an intel on you. It's like, where did you get that? On my couch. Found it on my couch. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. It's like, yeah, so the universe is, like, really big, which right now it's pretty much just me, but do you want to come? Pretty please? It's like, alright. <laughs> That's kind of cute. <laughs> Too cute. And it sounds like they're also going to try to recruit uh, Cassie Lang next, so... Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. And then it turns out we get to catch up with Monica in the mid credit scene, and she wakes up seemingly next to her mother, who doesn't recognize her. Come to find out, nope, alternate universe, where her mother is binary, and uh, th- that's an alias. That's not... No. <laughs> that's, not a co- that's not a comment on her gender no. or sexual identity. No, like as in binary the X-Men character. Yeah, well... Technically, binary is just binary is just another name that uh, Carol's used. Hmm. Usually, Maria Rambeau is not binary. Oh, fair. However, Carol did use that identity during the time she was hanging out with the X Men. So, hmm. Carol Carol hangs out with a lot of people. <laughs> fair. And we also got Kelsey Grammer playing Beast, but it's a CGI Beast. Yeah, and not a. If I'm honest, not a great CGI beast either. No, no, it was a, it was a, it was a little jarring. <laughs> I'll admit, I'm not really a huge fan of this post-credit scene, if only because like I don't, I, 
on the one hand, okay, yeah, cool. Kelsey Grammer was a good choice for Beast back in the 2000s. But you're going to need to bring somebody else in eventually anyway. And also, like, is this supposed to be an offshoot of the film X-Men movies? Because, like, the interesting parts of that have already been brought back. You already had Patrick Stewart as a different Professor Xavier, and you're already bringing back Hugh Jackman for Deadpool 3. So, like, it just feels unnecessary, you know? Mm, right. I think this is one of the first Marvel movies where I had a good time and the post credit scene didn't excite me. <laughs> you know what? I I was kind of thinking about that too because it's like I was I was expecting the post credit scene to be very mid. And I mean for implications it's not, but just in terms of the excitement it gave me, yeah, kind of mid. Yeah. Because it's the thing of like, alright, this movie already hasn't... Re- I feel like normally with the Marvel movies, even for like the not super great ones, there's usually at least like a hint or like a showing of at least one major character or a new idea or something like that. There wasn't really anything here, which I'm fine with. There doesn't need to be like a big giant reveal or, or hint every movie. But it was the kind of thing that made me go, I was like, alright, so what's the post credit scene going to be? Mm. Because it's like, I don't see it being anything major. And then it's like, oh, by the way! The X-Men! <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Even with the revelation of the X-Men, it still kind of feels like nothing. Yeah, I think it's because it's not clear which X-Men... Like, is this an X-Men we're familiar with? Is this a new one? Mm-hmm. If it's a new one, why is Kelsey Grammer still Beast? Yeah. I think for me, part of the high is also killed by the whole thing of how Monica wakes up and sees who she thinks is her mom and starts very understandably like going through like an emotional roller coaster and then it's like at the realization of like what's going on and she very quickly recovers and just says oh shit yeah <laughs> but all in all this is still a this is still a really fun movie yeah it was it's fun i'd say it's one of those where it's like it's probably it's definitely not the greatest thing ever it's it's more than definitely like not exactly what i would call high cinema but that's not really what i go to these for for the most part it's fun and it's a good time, and it's pretty wacky, but does it in a way where it's still very focused, so... Yeah, it's not Guardians 3, but they literally can't all be Guardians 3. Yeah, no, that's both a statistical impossibility and just jarring as fuck. (laughs) Trying to turn everything into an Infinity War or an Endgame or a Guardians 3 is part of how Marvel got here in the first place. Right. But all in all, definitely go see it. Oh, yeah. So next week... Uh, we actually got a few different options, it looks like. Oh boy. I would say Dream Scenario is an option, but despite the release date being listed as November 17th, Regal's not giving me showtimes until November 30th. <laughs> Jesus, alright. So it looks like, assuming that, technically speaking, we got four options. Mm-hmm. But practically speaking, I feel like we've got three. Alrighty. Because we got The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Mm-hmm. We got Next Goal Wins, the Taika Waititi soccer movie. Okay. We got Thanksgiving. (laughs) Where the the dad is very clearly the bad guy. (laughs) Yep. Or we got Trolls Band Together. Uh, I feel like for me it's going to be between either Next Goal Wins or Thanksgiving. Yeah, I feel like same. I did kind of want to check out the Hunger Games movie prequel Mm. since I haven't seen any of them, but this is two and a half hours long. Oh, Jesus Christ, and yeah. And I'm still getting over this, whatever this is, so... Right. I guess we'll find out. Honestly, I might just go see Thanksgiving and then the Marvels again. (laughs) Fair. In any case, 
Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, spread the link around, and the word. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You don't have to do any of it. Whatever you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. But, regardless of what you do or don't do, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Any more of those scrolls come poking around my backyard, tell you what, you can take a shovel and whack them upside the head. I guess I'll have to supply shovels now. I got my own shovel. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you see a, if you see a, if you see me take any skittles, it's not me. <laughs> Fair enough. Never in my life. Bye, everybody. Well, goodbye. <laughs>